Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! with our second Friday edition in our pre-Christmas episode of Steak for Breakfast. I'm Ro Noah still here. Yo. We're in the Christmas spirit here on the show, and we're really looking forward to spending some quality time with our family, taking a few days off from the show. Hopefully the new cycle complies. And we're going to keep it in the Christmas spirit. I was looking through some of our older clips, and I found a good one, Noah. What do you got? Well, I got a little holiday message from the 45th president and Melania Trump. And we played it on the show before, obviously, during the Trump administration. I think we might have even played it again last year when we were going through the holiday season as well. But I think our listenership would really appreciate a little holiday message from 45 mm-hmm. and the First Lady. Let's hear him. The president and I want to wish each and every American a very Merry Christmas. At this sacred time of year... Christians celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and rejoice in his love for every person. We give thanks for the millions of Americans who come together to care for others with compassion and bring the warmth and bliss of this holy season to our families, our friends, our neighbors, and to those in need. As we gather with loved ones this holiday, Americans across this land are grateful for all the men and women in uniform who keeps us safe, our military, our police, and everyone in law enforcement. We say a special prayer for those military service members stationed far from home, and we renew our hope for peace among nations and joy to the world. On behalf of the entire Trump family, we wish everyone a joyous and Merry Christmas and a very happy, happy New Year. Very wholesome. Yeah, I like it. It was a more civil time. Yeah. Remember what they take from us. <sighs> so disappointing. You know, we're going to continue to look at how this ruling in Colorado went down earlier this week, and we're going to be jumping in with retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Rob Manus in just a little bit as well. He had a really great show the other day. He had one of our favorite law experts, John Eastman, on to break this whole thing down. And I want commentary from that segment on our show today to provide you with even a little bit more insight on the constitutional parameters of it. And remember, in America First, there was a lot of emotionally driven response to this ruling. I mean, Chris Christie probably had the most milk toast. Ron DeSantis had the biggest bitch-made version of it. Vivek, very emotional. I'm off the ballot, blah, blah, blah. But then there was people who just don't understand. Kellyanne Conway was on 
Boomer Sweats, Sean Hannity show, filling in as a guest host the other day because he took a week off for Boomer Christmas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they get all those boomers riled up as they do on that show. Well, she stepped right in and didn't miss a beat. She had on vice presidential hopeful, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. They were obviously talking about this issue. The South Dakota governor has a great relationship with President Trump, and they worked extremely well together during the first Trump administration. But here's the thing. I'm going to wait till you guys hear the clip. I know you probably have seen some of it on social media. We're going to talk about it afterwards. Let's check it out. And if he does win again, I'm sure he'll return to Mount Rushmore to be with you and uh, the, and everyone else in South Dakota for a July 4th celebration. So, Governor Noem, would you be able to bar Biden from the ballot in your state of South Dakota if, say, he violated that part of the 14th Amendment by unfreezing assets for Iran or allowed terrorists to just openly walk over the southern border? I mean, do you think that you'd have that power or your highest court would have that power? You know, I don't believe so. That's what is so um, interesting. It's, you know, the, the process that the court has is a balance to the, our federal government. Uh, it is a balance to our executive branch, a balance to our legislative branch. Um, you know, so us exerting the kind of influence on the court and their decisions to take that kind of action is really unprecedented. So I trust our South Dakota state laws, our constitution. It gives great guidance to us and our court system understands that their job uh, is to follow statute and give decisions based on the scales of justice. I love that answer. Mm -hmm. Now check this out, Noah. What is the constitutional basis for this ruling in Colorado to be incorrect? The constitutional basis? Yes. I mean, the fact that it's being brought upon on charges that haven't actually been heard or anything? Correct. Now, did you see the way Kellyanne Conway lobbed that beach ball at Christy Noem, hoping to induce the sweats of boomers that she parked it? And she didn't. She caught it, and she popped it. She said, I don't think that our state Supreme Court in the state of South Dakota would go outside of the parameters of the Constitution that way, because even though you could accuse Joe Biden of completely dissolving our U.S. southern border and giving up our nation's sovereignty— or that he's being accused of possible high crimes and misdemeanors or worse by the Biden impeachment inquiry. He hasn't been convicted of anything at yeah. all. He hasn't received his due process, which the question is moot. Exactly. And anyone who's walking around cranking out this narrative that, oh, you know what? If they're going to take Donald Trump off the ballot in, you know, blue Colorado, we need to take him off the ballot in all the red states. That's just quantum retardery yeah no it really is and, and you know you really have to take a step back and let the emotions wash off you mm -hmm. and use your brain this is going to work out like it always does for donald trump there's going to be a huge fuss right at the beginning he's going to go through the appropriate channels and processes to reach a disposition and he's going to be vindicated we don't like it that this is always happening to him, that it's always happening to his family, that in some contexts, maybe in the billionaire donor class and the lobby groups who are still reluctant to get on the Trump train, even though they all will in a few short months, to make things easier. Just like what's going on with the RNC. Listen to this one, Noah. Ronald McDaniel is doing such a great job. They are at an all-time low 
in cash on hand. Only $7 million. Petty cash? Yeah. Mm. Lots of Botox and flowers and... Oh, I'm sure Nail those. Pointless. I'm sure the fucking Christmas tap dancing shit wasn't wasn't cheap. I'm sure those people probably made enough more than a general working class person made in a whole year to do that. Each one of them. You're right, and they were just on one on Fox News the other day. I'm not going to play the clip, but in the next show, the Botox Queen Laura Ingram had former congressman and current Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick on, and you know a quote from him: "Maybe we should take Joe Biden off the ballot here in Texas." for allowing 8 million people to cross the border since he's been the president, disrupting our state for more than anything or anything else that anyone has ever done in recent history. And now I've heard in a report from Breitbart that there's as many as four states looking to see if Joe Biden could be removed from the ballot, either in the primary or the general election. So that's not the way our republic functions. That's not the way we get back to where we need to be in regards to being a nation, to being that beacon on the hill, to being the example that we need to set. I mean, we literally are turning into Venezuela. Uh, on a good day. And it's coming faster than any of us are conditioned to be able to handle. It's coming faster than people in the Senate chambers. Mm. Ew. <laughs> Checking in on the other side of the aisle. Let's just say uh, not. Vagina. You know who was super happy about this ruling in Colorado? Husband of Mika, Joe Doucheborough. They were taking their victory lap on this ruling. Get ready for an emotional response. Now, let's check it out. To the Republican candidate's argument that this should be, the voters should have the say and not the courts. Why are you standing with Confederates who betrayed this country? Donald Trump's Confederate. And this is what they're standing with is the spirit. Really? of those Confederates rather than the Americans who came together after a long and brutal civil war that was fought to keep the Union together uh, and saw, clearly saw a threat in ex-Confederates running for office, so much so that they amended the Constitution to prevent those traitors from running for office. She's trying to remember that all should talking send points. a message that our election system, our electoral system, can be used for nefarious purposes against the democracy right. itself. It's clear. That was the New York Times, Mara Gay. And yes, she is. <laughs> My God. It's awful. And, you know, at this point, Donald Trump seems to be the phoenix rising from the ashes of the Republican primary. But Joe Biden, as we heard in our previous edition of the show, at some point is going to be needed to be held responsible for his record, for his resume, Mm -hmm. or lack thereof. I keep seeing those. They put out another one the other day where it had, like, the last five presidents' faces on, like, a bar graph, and it was animated. And then everybody's bar either went like up or down. And, you know, Donald Trump gets to like 6 million jobs made and Joe Biden's like shoots up to almost 15 million jobs. Community notes. It has been widespreadly agreed on that Joe Biden did not create nearly 15 million jobs and that over 80% of all the jobs created under Joe Biden 
were people returning to work post COVID <laughs> or people getting extra jobs because well, the economy's in shambles. Yeah. Like I can only imagine if I was still in the place that I was years and years ago, living paycheck to paycheck, working at bars, mm-hmm. just barely being able to subsist and feed myself. If all the shit that would have happened in the last, like, what, four years now total with COVID, I would have been fucked. Is this before you got into the field of forkliftery? Oh, the forkliftery? Yeah, the forkliftery was a game changer. Mm, certainly is. He's card-carrying member, ladies. Yep. Found a Tim Pool clip for you. I know you love him. You enjoy listening to them. Yeah. When they're not talking about flat earth or skateboarding or opening coffee shops. Now now it's Civil War. That too. <laughs> they were hypothesizing Actually, the other it's, day. Al- it's always Civil, civil War. <laughs> yeah. Michael Malice was in studio this week. And, you know, it's hard to be able to make an argument for Joe Biden at this point. There are just the people on the extreme left who say he's the best person that the Democrat Party has. That's not necessarily it's, the case. That should be just reasons for like it, making you get just into into a psych ward. True story. I'm not saying Michael Malice listens to Take for Breakfast either. Well, let's check out what he had to say about upcoming 2024 election. The point, and I'm going to make the prediction here, and I don't think it's going to – it's the kind of prediction where people at first like – then they think about like, okay, this is actually an easy, good prediction. I think the Democrats' plan B is not Gavin – Newsom. I think the Democrats' plan B is Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. with Newsom as VP. Ooh. So I'm, I'm staying it right here. If they pull Biden for some reason or if he's incapacitated, they're going to run Hillary and they'd be smart to do it. $1,000, it will not be Hillary Clinton. Uh, that if, if Biden's pulled... I don't, I'm not making a real bet. I'm kidding. Okay. I felt like they're I'm making a reference to. <laughs> money. Come on, motherfucker. I felt like they were kind of teeing up a uh, Kamala Harris. You might be She's right. There's no this. way they cut him Kamala she, Harris. She, nope. I, I I don't know why they would pick her, but There's because no they're sending her on this national pro-abortion tour, she's basically already on the campaign. Because they don't want her making trouble in Washington. Yep. Yeah, yes. they're like, stay busy. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. Did you see the? No, uh, she's going on tour. They announced one date. And they're like, yeah, we'll tell yeah, you the rest yeah, of the yeah, Get out of the plane. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, sounds like a lot of the stuff we've been talking about here on the show. I would stab out both my ears. And both my eyes, if I had to listen to that team of fucking idiot, slimy, slithering snake, lizard people in office for four years. Do you think Hillary Clinton would wear Gavin Newsom like a boa? (laughs) Do you remember in Men in Black 2? (laughs) Give you the Johnny Knoxville? (laughs) That hurts! Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's a good prediction, one that we have uh, definitely shared with our listenership here on the show. We know that Gavin Newsom's been activated for some kind of context. We don't know what it is yet. But I felt a lot more confident about Hillary Clinton being in this race in 2024 when she was made a national-level campaign staffer a little over a week ago. I was listening to the gang over at uh, Joe Rogan's pad the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't listened to his podcast in a while. I always forget about it because I don't usually go on Spotify or whatever he's on. You know what it is? When I see a good clip on social media and I know it's from a recent show, I'll go back and listen to a portion of I mean, you know, he's like one of the only people who have traditionally a podcast longer than ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk a lot less about CBDs and like boner pills here on Steak for Breakfast. So he doesn't talk about boner pills. Come on, man. Ashwagandha and fucking there you go. Whatever the MDA, no, not uh, what is it? 
DMT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, instead of hyping up his show, let's hype up ours real quick before we listen to it. Guys, wherever you're checking out the podcast today, hopefully on Apple or Spotify, we're also on iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts, follow the show. Hit the plus button, hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. Find us on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. It does nothing but help out our show, which is 100% free. Spices up the algorithms, brings us up in suggestions for political podcasts, and helps us out in the Apple Top 100. All right, jumping in here with Joe Rogan right before we cut to Colonel Manus. Let's check it out. This keeps going. Like, how far will they take it? Like, if he keeps getting bigger, because it seems like, at least in public perception... (laughs) The the more they come after him, the bigger he gets. Yeah. Because the more people realize the game. Right. They're like, oh, my God, this is like Banana Republic shit. You're prosecuting your political opponent. Yes. And you're doing it specifically to time the trials around, like, Republican conventions, primaries, all these different... You're doing it on purpose. Right. It's pretty clear. Right. So everyone's, like, more and more supportive of him than ever. So how far will they go and how far can they I don't know. I think he'll run the joint from the can. I think he'll, I think he'll run the country from prison. I mean, I think be he'll run it from a federal prison. I mean, it might get to the point where we possible? have the first mafia president where he's in federal prison in <sighs> Palm Beach and he's running the country. Yeah. Is that is that possible? I don't think they'll kill him. I don't think they kill anyone anymore. Mm. I don't think they kill anyone anymore. I they don't, don't seem to. I don't to. know. They're torturing Assange. They'll bleed you out slowly. Massage thing is wild. But they don't seem to be killing anyone anymore the way they used to kill everyone. MLK, JFK, mm-hmm. RFK, everyone died. But now they're not killing people nearly as much. There's a few people. People disappear a little Connected bit. to the Epstein case. They go. Mm-hmm. They go. Mm-hmm. They, go. Yeah, they absolutely they a few go. of those guys. Went. They take this off. I think I'm allergic to it. <laughs> that one guy. I mean, it's crazy. The one guy Tim that Dillon has uh, a Chewbacca jacket 30 on. 30 miles from his house. He hung himself <laughs> oh, with yeah? an electric cord and then shot himself in the chest with a shotgun. That's it right. Happens. Or there that was a guy in Palm Beach. They found acrobatic. him in his pool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Epstein friend, he was in a pool. There's a few of those. Well, they got to tie up the loose ends. There's a few of those loose ends that had oh, to get tied up. Oh, they got to tie up those loose ends. Yeah. What do you think about a judge being ready to unseal 150 names that were on the Epstein flight list right after the first of the year, Noah? Wait, say that again? A federal judge has ordered to unseal 150 names that were on the Epstein flight list right after the first of the year. it was 170. I, well, it might be 170. It's a lot. Well, no, but that's that's the point, is that the numbers are going to continue to dwindle because people are going to... They're going to continue to weasel their way out of it. They're mm. going to gonna pay or they're going to bribe or they're going to have... You know, they're, they're basically paying... Paying their chits back for things that they owe and things that they have, you know, held over people's heads. Like, let's talk, say, for instance, you know butt-fucking in the Senate chambers mm. or the equivalent. But when they're not doing it, like, as weird, like, what is it when you, uh, ex- exhibitionist. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about bondage mask, zipper mouth, ball gag, ass cheekless chaps. I think that's just what chaps are, but yeah. Damn it. No, it's, it's you know what? It's crazy. And, and, they were getting so high right there too. It's like, yeah, man. Like, but I agree. Donald Trump is continuing to rise. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be running the country from any kind of prisons or anything like that. But you know, there's a lot of people who have been talking about the worse off alternatives to what can happen. 
other than using lawfare against them. We really don't like to talk about it on the show, but here's the deal. You know, I'll leave that for the other pundits. Uh, you know, when the president comes on the show, we'll ask him about it and see how he feels. He'll probably give us the same non-answer that he gave Steve Bannon and Tucker Carlson and mm. everybody else that's asked him. I did think it, I think Trump's going to be doing Rogan at some point in 2024 as well. You know, they went from like a wave to like a handshake. Joe Rogan almost gave him a hug at UFC 296. Donald Trump's not really the biggest hugger, but Joe Rogan kind of went in for like the bro hug with the handshake and Donald Trump leaned in just long enough to where he had to like bro hug his forearm. You know, he left enough space in between them that they weren't going to do that. But he's a germaphobe, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he still shakes everybody's hands and he gives the kids the hugs and stuff like that. Yeah. He'll sign a boob here and there. He probably does the he probably does the hand sanitizer off camera. Stop it. (laughs) Hey, I'm just saying if you're a germaphobe, you're a germaphobe. We're going to wrap up our coverage of reviewing this Colorado ruling and its legitimacy or lack thereof Mm. with Colonel Rob Manus right now. But before we do. Let's check in with one of our partners. Hi, this is Beardo over at Beard Vet Coffee. What's wrong with America today is that Americans are putting convenience over values. We need to start thinking about our dollar as a vote. We need to start using those dollars to support companies that believe in our values and aren't afraid to take a stand. That's us at Beard Vet Coffee. We're not another pretend conservative company that puts a pew-pew on the packaging to fake align with our principles. We don't identify as America first, we live America first. We're vet-founded, vet-focused, and obviously bearded. So, if you haven't had a cup of beard vet, buy a bag, help us continue to support veteran charities every month. And as we always say, stay awake, not woke. Use promo code STEAK for 10% off your order. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a 32-year U.S. Air Force combat veteran, one of our favorite colonels, only one of two that comes on steak for breakfast. He's also the host of the Rob Manis Show, kind of spoiled it, Rob Manis is back. Sir, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be back with you guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, your whole family, and uh, busy time of the year. You know, you think uh, if you turn on the mainstream media, you see all the best of episodes, you see like the D-team host, but the news won't just stop. If we're not talking about the border, we're talking about some of these failed campaigns and the fake Republican primary. We've got stuff going on with the economy, obviously kicking everybody's ass during this holiday season right now. But I think one of the big topics that uh, we just got done discussing before we brought you in, Colonel, was that, uh, you know, what happened in Colorado at the start of this week and, and, you know, them essentially removing Donald Trump for the meantime off the ballot for the Republican primary, essentially setting it up to do the same thing in the general election next year. But, you know, we, we want to get a little insight from you because we know you've covered this on your show as well. You, you kind of dabble in the same guests as us. But I but I think like some of the takes that you've had this week were really important and, and ones that our listenership would be really encouraged to listen to right now. So let's jump right into it. Sure. You know, uh, well, first of all, let me just say up front, I'm not an attorney, (laughs) uh, but I do have my copy of the Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States that I carried throughout my career. Uh, And uh, this is my third copy that I carried throughout my career. It's it's a little beat up. Uh, And uh, I've read I've actually read the 14th Amendment uh, sections one, two, three, four and five. Uh, and the 14th Amendment, Section 5, is never, almost never talked about. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of folks that are attorneys ha- are talking about it. And what Section 5 of the 14th Amendment says is that the Congress shall enforce these uh, issues in the preceding parts of this amendment. 
through legislation. The Congress shall enforce the parts of this that should be enforced through legislation. Let me say that a third time. The Congress, it doesn't say a state court. It doesn't say a federal court. It says the Congress. Uh, so the the framers of the 14th Amendment were, uh, in this particular case, were very clear who the enforcers are and what the mechanism of enforcement is. Uh, now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because... Uh, obviously, this was a Supreme Court of the state of Colorado uh, for hyperpartisan Democrat judges uh, in the majority decided that they had the power to not only remove Mr. Trump from the ballot in the in the general election, but in the primary in the state. And, you know, they even went a step further. If you go read this atrocity, that's what I call that opinion, the majority part of it. Uh, they actually say, even if his name is written in, we direct the county vote tabulators not to count the votes for his, for this candidate, even if he's in a write-in vote. Uh, so, uh, number one, the Congress is the enforcement entity on this amendment in this part of the Constitution in this country, not the Supreme Court of the state of Colorado. That's number one. Uh, number two, Congress actually has spoken on the issue specific to Mr. Trump and inciting an insurrection, and they acquitted him. They acquitted him. Let that sink in, folks. They acquitted him. And what happened in this Colorado case, guys, uh, is the lower court judge, uh, uh, and I said this at the time she issued her ruling, because she's a she's a, a, uh, a <laughs> rabid Marxist Democrat, too. Way to frame uh, but it. She is. <laughs> she is. Uh, and a lot of people were surprised that she said that she couldn't remove him from the ballot. Uh, but she put a little caveat in her in her brief when she when she wrote her opinion uh, on that. And that's this is what the, the organization crew, C.R.E.W., used. And that's a Soros organization, by the way, uh, uh, used to get to the appellate to appeal it to the Supreme Court. And that is that that the evidence showed that Mr. Trump uh, uh, is an insurrectionist. But the evidence she cited was the transcripts and the report from the January 6th uh, Select Committee uh, that was not bipartisan. I don't give a damn what you, pardon my language, but I don't give a damn what you talk about Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger. Mm. They were not Republicans in the sense that we have a republic base Republicans today, uh, they're part of the power structure in D.C., as were all the rest of the members of that committee. That's number one about that committee. But there was no opportunity for Mr. Trump to defend himself in that committee. There was no opportunity to cross-examine, not, not one single witness in that. And then three, they have destroyed the videotape evidence and a lot of the other written evidence from that committee in violation of federal law, uh, and uh, that, but this judge, the rabid one at the lower level, uh, put that in there that he was, in her mind, an insurrectionist, as proven by that report from this uh, really illegal committee, quite frankly, uh, that violated Mr. Trump's due process, and that's the fourth piece. Mr. Donald J. Trump, as a citizen has had no due process throughout this. He's not been, he, he was charged under an impeachment article and acquitted. 
So Congress has spoken according to Section 5 of the 14th Amendment. They have actually passed a resolution on this. He was acquitted. Okay? Uh, it, that's my mind uh, on that. And, of course, I'm not an attorney, but I, I've read the Constitution, and I believe in it. I, I, I've sworn to defend it. So I'm, I'm defending it. That, this is my defense of not just not, not, not Donald Trump, but the Constitution itself. If we can't defend the Constitution as it's written uh, as citizens, then what do we have left? We don't have anything left, guys. Uh, so even Democrats, uh, and thank God three Democrats on that court, uh, wrote a scathing, scathing uh, uh, dissenting opinion and called these, these, uh, these Marxist judges out. Uh, because this is so antithetical to the Constitution of the United States. Uh, I actually tweeted out when I first saw it. I said, well, you know, the Democrats like to talk about who the threat to democracy is. Well, the SCOTUS of Colorado just put itself at the, as the number one threat to democracy in this country. Uh, you know, and we do live in a republic, but it's a democratic republic. So we have a form of democracy here, uh, you know, and they are, they are an existential threat to the republic that is established by the Constitution of the United States. And, you know, there's another little piece in the Constitution of the United States that requires the federal government to guarantee a Republican form of government for each and every state. And when this court decides it's going to rule and be the king from their thrones in the state of Colorado, its Republican form of government is eliminated. It's wild to see how this whole thing went down. And even going back a little bit more in the backstory, you know, you have this 501c3, you know, you already called it out, George Soros, dark money funded yeah. group that goes and lobbies for these judges to get on appellate benches. Then the, the, the exact same group that lobbies and essentially monies them into their position goes and brings them a very biased opinion on something that they want her to rule on. She rules on it, and then they're able to get it to the Supreme Court level in the state of Colorado. Essentially, you know, they're making a ruling on something. You pointed out Donald Trump has never been charged with sedition. He's never been charged with insurrection. He's never been convicted of anything either regarding either one of those charges. And then they're ruling on an opinion from someone who was basically placed there. It, it, it just goes back to point out how important these lower-level elections are. We can't just worry about the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, and, and, and the President of the United States. These state-level you know, chairs and, and uh, senators, especially judges as well, it all goes yeah. into the equation, and you see, you know, if they know they can't get it, and then then it goes to the point that I wanted to ask you on, Colonel, because this is the big one here. So we all know this is getting flipped to the Supreme Court. I'm thinking probably by a seven to two margin, you're going to have the newest judge obviously rule in favor of the, you know, brief in uh, Colorado, and then I think that Sotomayor probably won't rule in Donald Trump's favor either. However. When you look at the demographic of where they're going to go with this, if, if they've gotten it all the way set up to the state level in deep blue states like Colorado, and they know if this gets to the Supreme Court, it's just going to get shot down, the next move for the radical progressive left is, well, the Supreme Court's compromised because if you have an appellate court rule on it and a state court rule on it and the Supreme Court won't even look at it, they're just going to automatically turn it over because they say it's unconstitutional, even though it is. The next move for the radical progressive left is like, the Supreme Court is illegitimate. We need to pack the court. And and that's is the end game for our republic here. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I'm pretty sure you're going to. Well, that, that process started uh, over a year ago, you know, uh, uh, when the court ruled uh, to that Roe versus Wade was an abomination to federalism and uh, 
and legislating from the bench and that the Supreme Court in the day that they they established Roe versus Wade uh, made a huge mistake. And, you know, it's not the first time the Supreme Court of the United States uh, has made a huge mistake during during the years leading up to the Civil War and right. afterwards uh, and Reconstruction and Jim Crow law and segregation and all of those. Supreme Court made some terrible uh, decisions that were antithetical to freedom and antithetical to the Constitution of the United States and antithetical to states' rights uh, and to the rights of the individual to reign supreme over government. Uh, and, uh, uh, it, you know, and I hope that uh, that Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor, uh, does what I know. I know that she knows this is wrong. I've read enough of her opinions. I've seen her agree with the majority when they've done nine to nothing opinions enough to know that she knows this is wrong. And what I'm hoping is, is that she will bring Katanji Jackson, uh, radical, uh, uh, rabid Marxist communist that she is, uh, to understand that it's in her best interest to go along with the majority and vote as a nine nothing against this because because think about this even if you're a rabid marxist like jackson uh you still want to be able to uh, avoid having your candidates taken off the ballot by some republican supreme uh, supreme court in a state because they'll never be able to take every single state in the union folks They'll never be able to compromise every single state in the union. We will always have some states in the union that will abide by the Constitution of the United States and some courts uh, at the state level uh, in this union that will abide by the Constitution of the United States. And Katanji Jackson, I hope Sotomayor uh, knows better and is able to bring her along because it really does need to be a nine to nothing uh, uh, smackdown by the Supreme Court. And it can't just be a, a, a you know, a stayed with prejudice and all that. It's got to be an actual decision written out with, uh, with, you know, the right, correct writings, the correct citations so that it completely blows this mess out of the water because there are, I think there are six, somewhere between 16 and 19 states correct. Uh, where this process is happening in some form or another, even, and I'm even talking about the states where we think it might've been, thrown out already because those states are iffy wisconsin michigan i mean they're iffy uh okay so uh, it's got to be a complete uh precedent setting smackdown uh from the supreme court and i hope that katanji jackson realizes that if she doesn't go with the majority uh this will destroy uh whatever reputation she thinks she has i mean obviously she does she doesn't <laughs> even know what a damn woman is uh but uh uh, but uh, she's got some legal reputation left, I know, uh, that she's going to want to protect at some point. At least Sotomayor uh, and the other leftists uh, on the court will want to protect theirs, I'm I'm hoping. Uh, but you know what? Unfortunately, with the Supreme Court, you just don't know what you're going to get sometimes. As Forrest Gump likes to say, it's a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. It's absolutely wild sure. times. Colonel, we're going to be tracking this throughout the holiday season. We're also going to be looking forward to having you back on the show again real soon. We're obviously going to be live linking your show. You guys are doing some great work over there at Red Voice Media and your website in the show description today. But for anyone that wants to follow you on social media and continue to check you out, where can they find you? 
Yeah, go to robmanus.com uh, is where you can find everything. All the shows are there. The show actually broadcasts live at the live tab on robmanus.com and on all of my social medias at Rob Manus, except for Facebook. My big Facebook page is at col Rob Manus, and I'm on, I actually am on Instagram at col Rob Manus, R-E-T. Uh, and uh, we're trying to broadcast live on each and every one of those. Uh, we've got about 400,000 followers. Well, you guys have uh, been absolutely crushing it, and we'll be looking forward to having you back again. This is retired U.S. Air Force Colonel and the host of the Rob Manus Show, Mr. Rob Manus. Thank you for joining us today. Have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. This is the single biggest election in the history of our country. This is going to determine whether or not we even have a country left. Because these people are destroying our country. Three years ago, we were a great nation, and we will soon be a great nation again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. We will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. 2024 is our final battle. All right, jumping back into the news. Great catching up with Colonel Manus. He's always a large trove of information. And listen, he's got one of the most velvety voices in the game. What do you think, Noah? Oh, absolutely. As soon as he starts talking, all the hairs in the back of my neck stand up. I'm like, yeah, I like it. He sounds like a 1950s radio host playing some of the classics. Donald Trump was back on the campaign trail this week. He appeared before a large commit to caucus group and hundreds of supporters at a speaking event in Waterloo, Iowa. It wasn't his last stand because we're just getting things started in this primary election season as we're now less than five weeks away before we go to the ballot box. January 15th is the Iowa caucus. And Donald Trump was getting everybody hyped up talking about, listen, we talk about it all the time on the show. This is the final battle. Joe Biden and this radical regime of Obama holdovers, the radical progressives, the Marxists, the warmongers in the Democrat Party. We don't have a country left. Nope. We, we almost don't right now. We're hanging on by a thread. We're almost at the one-year warning. But we got to be able to uh, get this country back on the right track. Donald Trump just didn't leave his criticisms and attacks to Joe Biden. You know, of course, he was going to hit Ron DeSantis a little bit. Has He's nearing the 5% in polls. Five? And flailing. <laughs> And, and falling like a severely wounded bird from the sky. Let's hear Donald Trump. It's got a 5% elevation change. Unlike DeSantis, <laughs> we'll always protect Social Security and Medicare. He was against Social Security. He was willing to take Social Security and do numbers on it and slice and dice. But he also wanted to move the minimum age up to 70. That's mm. a big move for people because you you don't listen. We have so much liquid gold under our feet. We don't have to do that stuff. We don't have to do that. Why should seniors be hurt with Medicare and Social Security? We're also going to fight to give you much better health care because Obamacare, as you know, is a catastrophe for American families. And as I say, even Elizabeth Warren, who often is referred to as, you know, as Pocahontas because of her great Indian heritage. But she even agrees that it needs to be fixed. It has to be fixed. It's too expensive for the people. And we're going to get it done. We almost had it done. But then John McCain voted it down after campaigning for 10 years to kill it. John McCain voted it down. Too bad. Oh, is it too bad? They remember thumbs down. That was not good. 
We're going to make it much less expensive for the people with much, much better health care. You're going to get that, and we deserve it. I know you're already looking forward to MAGA-care, Noah. MAGA-care. I hope they name it that. That would be amazing. You brought a couple throwbacks there. You know, For America-care? Meghan McCain had a very poignant reply to Donald Trump invoking her father's name the other day at a speaking event. Said he was a vile beast. She hated him. <laughs> and then Elizabeth Warren, have you ever heard of her? Nope. She's known for her... Pocahontasing? Rich tradition of Indian heritage. Yeah. It goes by the name of Pocahontas. No, it's great. You know, and, and just look at the optics. Noah, Donald Trump had dual Christmas trees flanking him the other day at his speaking event. As nice. you know, he loves bringing in the holiday season more than anybody else. He's all about that family time. You know, one of the things that... And it's good. Finding a solution to repealing Obamacare is going to be a huge part of Agenda 47. I know they're not there yet structurally, but I do know it is definitely in the works for Team Trump and and everything that's going on as they're continuing to add to Agenda 47 almost on a weekly basis now. One of the things that he's highlighted as part of that agenda is the government's new attack on Christians and how, you know, it's always been a problem in America. It's been brought back to the forefront the last probably 20 years very prominently. But what we've seen, the infiltration of the Christian churches, the manipulation by, you know, the CDC and, and the FDA during COVID, uh, you know, really exposed a lot of people for not really relying on faith and, and basically, you know, going with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is planning on ending the anti-Christian bias from day one of his second term in office. Let's check it out. As soon as I get back in the Oval Office, I'll also immediately end the war on Christians. I don't know if you feel it. You have a war. There's a war. Under crooked Joe Biden, Christians (laughs) and Americans of faith are being persecuted and government has been weaponized against religion like never before and also presidents like never before. Here I am. (laughs) I always say Al Capone was treated better than I was treated. Scarface, Al Capone, he was a tough one. Biden and his corrupt Department of Injustice have <laughs> sent SWAT teams to arrest pro-life the activists. Yeah. They've targeted conservative parents at school board meetings who don't want filth taught to their children. It's filth. What they're teaching in schools is filth and nonsense. And we can't let that happen. But they're being targeted. And now the communists, Marxists, and fascists are going hard after Catholics, even plotting to send spies into Catholic churches. It's all come out, just like in the Soviet Union from days gone by. Now, think of it. If you're Catholic, why would you vote for a Democrat? What they're doing to Catholics. I don't know what's going on with the Catholics, but they're really being persecuted. Why would you vote for Biden and why would you vote for a Democrat? A new report from the House Judiciary Committee proves that the Biden FBI actually targeted Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. Do you believe this? Disgusting. And, you know, uh, evangelicals will not be far behind because when that starts, it starts happening on a very major scale. When I'm back in the White House, never again will your government be used to target Christians and other religious believers. Upon taking office, I will create a new federal task force on fighting anti-Christian bias. 
to be led by a fully reformed Department of Justice that's fair and equitable. Mm. Its mission will be to investigate all forms of illegal discrimination, harassment, and persecution against Christians in America. They are going after Christians in America. Who's who's can believe all this stuff? There's a lot in there. I do like the task force. The one thing that stuck out to me, and that was over a two-minute clip right there, is when he was talking about how Christians have been pushed back on and persecuted for standing up for their children's rights. And then when he alluded to the part of like the strong sexual content, he like segued a little bit to the trans narrative. Mm. Stop for a second. He's like just teaching them this disgusting sexual stuff. And quite frankly, nonsense without even saying the word that is the biggest dog whistle Oh, yeah. For that community and the way that he delivers it. It's like you just can't make this shit up. Mm -mm. A combination of the policy writers that are going on putting together Agenda 47, in addition to the speech writers that he's got, including the way he goes off prompter all the time. It's just propelled him to the successful way he's ran this campaign from the beginning. And I'll tell you what, Noah, it's really starting to reflect in the polls. You can't even stop it now. We're going to look at some numbers real quick. And let's not forget congressional candidate who's running to win the seat in West Virginia one former January 6th political prisoner and state representative Derek Evans is going to be joining us for the first time in just a bit but checking in with some of these numbers that we saw this week morning consult poll from today Donald Trump now leads Joe Biden between the demographic of 18 to 34 year olds and Joe Biden continues to lose support among black and Hispanic voters Trump also maintains a narrow edge among most independents. There was also a swing state poll out. This is from Decision Desk HQ. This is a polling average. came out today. It was sponsored by The Hill, so that's a progressive outlet. Arizona, Trump 46, Biden 39. Georgia, Trump 45, Biden 39. Michigan, Trump 46, Biden 39. Nevada, Trump 47, Biden 42. Those are some big polls there. Let's see what else we got. 2024 Republican primary delegate forecast poll. This came from the race to the White House, full field. Now, remember, you need just a little bit over 1,200, which means Donald Trump can secure the nomination delegate-wise before Super Tuesday. Just forecasting right now, Donald Trump is expected to have 2,289 delegates total. You need 1235 to win the nomination. The only other people that even registered, Nikki Haley, 89, Ron DeSantis, 82. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread that for you, Noah. Donald, Tr- Donald Trump is projected to get 2,289 total delegates in the Republican primary. That seems uh, pretty good. That's strong like bull. Again, you only need 1,235 to claim the nomination. Haley, 89, DeSantis, 82. 89. Just 89. 82. Correct. Versus thousands. <laughs> like, these people are literally just sticking around in case this legal nonsense actually pans out. And with the way that our judicial system is now, I mean, it could potentially work, unfortunately. It's pretty wild. But that'll, that'll just, the things that it would do to the country... 
would be just astronomically bad. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say the, the Tim Pool commentary, but, I mean, that's kind of a viable potential option. True story. Last poll I've got, national poll. This was one that was on CNBC, so their business channel, and this was sponsored by, I'm not making this up, POS Strategies. Oh, I thought you were going to say, sponsored by Pfizer. There you go. Well, they're all sponsored by Pfizer. Donald Trump, 48%. Joe Biden, including independents, 42%. No other people in the field. This is Trump's largest lead over Biden in CNBC poll history. So that's both cycles. And then they did a Joe Biden approval poll. He's at 39% approval with 60%, a negative 25 margin disapproving. That's a three-day poll, heavy Democrat, over 1,000 registered voters. And that was on CNBC this week. Wow. Yeah. It's it's fantastic to see what, what's going on right now, and, you know, especially in the polls. And listen, Donald Trump's cutting right through this stuff. You got all the court cases. You've got this new Colorado ruling. Hopefully the Supreme Court's going to jump right in there. But the fact of the matter is, is that he knows what he needs to do, and he's going to be standing firm in the face of all this shit like he always does. Don't worry about it. Just do yourself a favor. If, you, if you're the kind of person, man or woman or whatever, pray for the president because that's what he needs right now. Well, and even if he did somehow get removed from these ballots, unless it was a state that didn't have the, the capacity for a write-in candidate, which... I'm sure that these states that coincidentally are going to do this would either change their rules to make it so there was no write-in or already have that in installed into their system, I would assume. No, oh, that's that's correct. So sticking in the thread of what seemed to be the theme of the speaking event, I mean, obviously he was hitting some campaign points. He was hyping up the evangelical class. He was touching on a couple items that are going to be big portions of Agenda 47, he was going to just continue to lambaste everybody and their sister. Mm -hmm. And you know what? At the end of the day, that's what a lot of people come to see. In addition to Hammer and Joe Biden, let's not forget Asa, Ada mm. Hutchinson is still in this race, even though he is currently polling at 0% with the arrow trending left, which means that he's potentially polling at less than zero. Wow. And of course, Chris Christie. Let's hear it. No, if I say Ada Hutchinson, oh, they'll do it anyway. I just gave him an idea. Look, they're starting right there. They'll say, he didn't know his name. No, it's Asa, but I call him Ada. Yes, call out the media, But too. this guy has been, he's the governor of Arkansas. He's got the personality of that floor tile. See the tile? <laughs> There's a broken tile right there. That's about as much personality. And he's a nasty guy. He's got zero for... How many months has he been running? Like a year? <laughs> For a year he's been running. He's at zero. Chris Christie, who's got a serious case of Trump derangement syndrome. He's mm. sick. Between him and Liz Cheney, does she have Trump derangement syndrome or what? No. And I let Scooter Libby out. You know, it's a friend of their family. They didn't do anything for him. I did. They didn't get him out. I got him out. I gave him a pardon because he was treated very unfairly. Scooter Libby, but he was a very good friend of the Cheney family. They didn't do anything for him. I did. But, you know, uh, you'd think they'd be thankful for that, but they don't talk about that. They say I'm a threat to democracy. No, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy by all of the things that we talk about. True story. It was just going to be one of those rallies. You know, as we're getting ready to wrap here and jump in with West Virginia congressional candidate Derek Evans. 
We are going to end on a little bit of a somber note, but before we do, guys, last call, wherever you're listening today, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, make sure you're following the show. Hit the plus button, hit the follow button, make sure it's downloading to your electronic devices. Helps us out big time. Be the biggest Christmas gift you could give us for this absolutely 100% free audio experience. In addition, find us on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Check out our accounts, follow them, hit the notification bell. You know, Tucker Carlson led into one of his now many podcasts that he's putting out. He seems to be jumping on just about everybody's show and putting out quite a bit of content himself as he's getting the Tucker Carlson Network launched. It's going to be good things. I actually got a ping back from the Tucky people this oh, week, and it nice. looks like he may be stopping by the show after the first of the year. Nice. My only goal is, and I'm going to put it out there for our listenership, is how many times we can get him to hit that iconic Tucky laugh. Oh, yeah. I love it. I want some more of it. Mm-hmm. But after this ruling came down this week, which is kind of like the underlying tone of the entire show, because this is a big deal, and it's up to the Supreme Court to right the ship here. And we all know that they're going to. But heading into this holiday season, if we're one thing, we're a nation that is in very uncertain times. You see the people rising to the top. You see the people trying to distract and detract from what's important. And you just have to stay focused on the mission at hand. And in our last audio clip of the week, I'm going to play one of Tucker's podcasts lead-in where he talks about this being potentially the end of democracy. Let's check it out. This was pretty puzzling to watch. Whatever else January 6th was, and in some ways we still don't know exactly what it was, it was not a Trump-led insurrection. The crowd had no guns. They had no plan to overthrow the government. Nothing like that has ever emerged. And above all, Trump was not leading it. He was miles away at the White House at the time, where he issued a public statement calling for calm and nonviolence. So why were the people on television telling us that Trump led an insurrection? This was, of course, a lie, but it was also a very obvious lie. So clearly we were watching the rollout of a talking point, words crafted for a specific purpose. But what was the purpose? We got an answer to that question yesterday when the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that because he led an insurrection, Donald Trump's name cannot appear on the state's ballot next fall. The four liberal judges who concluded this cited as their justification Article 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was written in 1868 to keep former Confederate officials from holding office. That was the sum total of their reasoning. Despite the fact Donald Trump has never been convicted by any court of insurrection, and although the 14th Amendment specifically does not apply to the presidency, Donald Trump cannot run for president because he's an insurrectionist. This seemed like lunacy, because it was lunacy. 3,000 miles away in El Salvador, there was no question about what was happening. The United States has lost its ability to lecture any other country about, quote, democracy, wrote Salvadoran President Nayib Bukele. And yet in this country, no one on the left dared say that. Instead, Donald Trump's enemies celebrated. The Atlantic Magazine expressed gratitude that unelected judges had, quote, rescued the country from the desires of voters because actually, that's democracy. And then there was Jenna Griswold, that's the Colorado Secretary of State. You may not have seen her before, but you will instantly recognize the category she represents. Unhappy 39-year-old liberal women with Ivy League degrees and a deep streak of authoritarian impulses. 
Here's Griswold on MSNBC last night explaining that a conventional legal process is no longer necessary for the left to get its way. No more trials or evidence or jury verdicts. An accusation made on television is now enough to remove a frontrunner from the presidential race. If Nancy Pelosi and Joe Scarborough call you bad, Americans are not allowed to vote for you. Watch. Look, I believe he incited the insurrection. There were big questions around Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and the Colorado Supreme Court has weighed in in a very loud way, making themselves clear. Frankly, we've never had a president try to steal the presidency and engage in insurrection uh, ever before. So Trump's actions are unprecedented. The Colorado Supreme Court confirmed that the district court got it right, that he did engage in insurrection. I think uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has to apply to the presidency, because if not, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. And in a country of laws where no man is, is above another, yeah. has um, never known the touch of a man from here, be mm. able to do whatever they want when it comes to rebellion and then be able to be seated in office again. None of this seems very American. All of it looks like the actual end of democracy. What can I say? Yeah. We used to play a lot more Tucker on the show, but since he's been doing his own thing, you know, he doesn't, uh, he's just starting to get content out again. And I think now that we've seen a lot of the scales removed from his eyes, mm-hmm. he's doing things a little bit differently right now. We've always been fans of his commentary, and I did like the way, in some instances, he kind of held the line on stuff. Man, Tucker Carlson in 2020 and the fallout from the presidential election there, Noah. It's a lot different Tucker than we hear today. Yeah. I mean, I could remember it like yesterday of him kicking Sidney Powell off his show, and that was probably the right thing to do at the time, but there wasn't just that very many people in the mainstream who were willing to understand that this election was rigged and stolen, that Donald Trump was jobbed out of his second consecutive term in office, and as you can see by all the stuff that's going on here, they are going to do whatever it takes to make sure he has the hardest path back to the white house in 2025 all we can do continue to do is continue to track it like we always do here on steak for breakfast we're getting ready to jump in with congressional candidate Derek evans for the first time right now but before we do that we're going to check in one last time with one of our partners friends i want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars whether you're on the golf course fishing on the lake or doing some yard work around the house our friend alan has got you covered he's launched the patriot cigar company The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You enter promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, he's the candidate who's looking to make the U.S. House of Representatives great again, running in West Virginia 1. Joining us for the first time, Mr. Derek Evans. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time out during this busy Christmas season to spend some time with us. Our listenership has been dying to get you on. We're glad you're here. And uh, let's jump right into it. So you do have a little bit of a political backstory and and some other stuff that led to your current candidacy right now. And for those that are maybe hearing you for the first time and are going to start being interested in your race, why don't you give us a little bit of that? 
Yeah, so in 2020, I ran for the West Virginia State House, and I was the first Republican to win my district in over 98 years. I won in a landslide victory. Uh, that joy was short-lived as I came home, turned on the TV, and saw uh, the 2020 presidential election being stolen, not only from President Trump, but the American people. So I went to the Capitol on January 6th and uh, was peaceful, nonviolent, non-destructive. People can watch uh, the video pinned to the top of all my social media feeds to, to kind of see it for themselves. And uh, But I walked through an open set of doors, thanked a police officer for his service. He gives me a friendly fist bump, inviting me into the building. I spent less than 10 minutes inside the public rotunda area, walked back out the same set of doors I entered, and uh, the deep state came to my house, uh, ripped me away from my wife and my four young children, held me hostage as a political prisoner. And I uh, got out of prison uh, October of last year. And uh, now I'm running for uh, for U.S. Congress because I'm going to take this battle to their front door the same way they brought it to mine. Now, before we get into some of the specifics of your race, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that experience there? I mean, there's a lot of people on social media who have seen the instance where, uh, you know, people are being ripped away from their families, kids crying, SWAT teams and tanks and stuff in the driveway. But just the, what went through your mind while you were away and what kind of motivated you when you got back out to say, you know what, I did it once before. I turned the entire election system in West Virginia up on its head. I think I could do it at a, at a national representative level uh, for your state. And then you came out and it seems like you're more hungry than ever. Yeah. So first I want to say, look, I'd never had any desire to run for federal office. Uh, West Virginia, we have what's called citizen legislators. So it's only a 60 day session. So outside of that, you know, you're, you're just a normal citizen. You know, it's not a full time job or anything. You can be a, a husband and a father and coach youth sports and all those things. That's what I wanted to do. I also wanted to protect my family from the, you know, the national media and just the nastiness of the national politics. Uh, after they came to my house and drug me into the middle of the swamp, you know, I, I started quickly realizing uh, number one, just how deep and powerful it was. And number two, just how um, how many cowards we have representing us right now in D.C. with ours beside of their name. That was very frustrating. And so uh, I, I also realized throughout this process, throughout this journey, they used myself and so many of the other uh, January 6th political prisoners as a way to try to put fear into the American people. They wanted to say, look, if you want to stand up and speak out against tyranny, this is what's going to happen to you. So sit down, shut up and accept it. And, you know, I can't, you know, I did a lot of reflecting, as you said, while I was in prison, sp specifically in solitary confinement. And I remember thinking, you know, I can't get this time back with my family. I can't get back the money we've lost. I can't get back the, the trauma that my family's went through. But what I can do is I can wake up every single day and I can refuse to allow the deep state to use me as that example that they're wanting to use me as. And so I wake up every day with a chip on my shoulder uh, to, to really just kind of um, I don't know, I, I guess, uh, motivate and, and show the American people that I'm just an average guy from Southern West Virginia. I took one on the chin uh, from the most powerful, corrupt government history of our world. I got up, I dusted my britches off. I'm still standing. I'm still fighting to save this country. If I can do this, anyone can. There's nothing to be afraid of. Now, when you talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and, and it's more specifically up on Capitol Hill right now, we do a lot of coverage up there. We've got a lot of the America First congressmen and women coming through our show on a regular basis. But here's the deal. On a good day, America First probably has 20 votes in the entire House of Representatives. I mean, more specifically with the, you know, removal of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House six weeks ago, it was eight. So, I mean, when you look at the numbers there, you talk about the rigged and stolen election, how President Trump was robbed in 2020. It's looking more than for certain that he's going to be back in the White House next year. How important is it to have the House of Representatives, number one, keep the majority, but number two, have more people in there that are not only going to vote for an America First agenda, 
but at the same time motivate the people in there who are either intimidated or just ignorant to the fact that, you know, this is the least productive session of Congress in probably the history of our country right now, and they have nobody to blame but themselves because they have the majority. Well, first of all, we got to be so grateful for the eight who had the courage to stand up the way that they did. And if I'd have been there, it would have been nine. I would have happily stood with uh, those patriots who ousted Kevin McCarthy and have held the line on quite a few other issues as well. Uh, you know, I tell everyone, you know, well, let me back up. You know, in 2016, when, when Trump was uh, won the first time, we had the majority on paper. But to your point, we had a bunch of a bunch of rhinos who fought President Trump every step of the way. So if we want to actually allow President Trump to to do uh, the things he, he says he's going to do, which we know he will. We're going to have to get some America First Patriots into the, into the U.S. House and the, and the U.S. Senate so that we can push his America First policies as, a, as opposed to these uh, rhinos who want to fight back against it every step of the way. I'll tell everyone, the best thing that we could do as a, as a conservatives in this country right now is flip the red districts red. And what I mean by that is there's about 70 congressional districts across this country. It doesn't matter who wins the Republican primary. That person's going to win the general election because the, the, the district is so red. These are the districts we got to get our America first patriots, our America first fighters. Right now, we have a bunch of rhinos who's, who's, who's sitting in some of the reddest districts in the country. Imagine if we had 70 Matt Gates in Congress right now. Same with the Senate. Imagine about 25 Rand Pauls in the Senate. Just what a difference that alone could make. So that's what we got to do is we got to flip our red districts red. And that's what I'm trying to do here in West Virginia. Yeah, we definitely see that budget going down at the very least, I tell you that much. All right, Derek, yeah. let's talk about your candidacy. Since you've launched, how have you been received in West Virginia 1? What are the people saying? I mean, obviously things like crime, the situation at the border, and definitely the economy are, are the major topics that are kind of engulfing this incoming uh, you know, election cycle in 2024. But what's what's the pulse like in your district? And, and what are the people looking for as someone who's going to be representing them up on Capitol Hill next year? Well, first of all, man, I tell you, it's not it's not just my district. I call you know people all over the country. I travel the country sharing my January 6th story. By far, uh, it doesn't matter which part of the country I'm in. The two biggest issues to everyone that I've spoken to uh, as a whole, obviously, is is the border and inflation. And so, obviously, we got to secure our border. I'm on the record, you know, well before it was cool to say so, that we got to send in the military, the National Guard, and, and treat this like the invasion that it is and secure our border by any means necessary. Uh, and as far as inflation, we got to unleash American energy. We got so many, so much oil and gas and coal and all these, uh, you know, this American energy the Lord has blessed us with in this country. We got to unleash that, which would really help uh, with, with the issue of inflation, putting people back to work and lowering down the, the cost of. Of energy and such. Um, but the, the, in terms of this district, man, the people here are, are very hungry. This is not just a red district. This is a MAGA district. They are. They understand this is not a purple district. The people here want someone who's going to stand on the national stage beside of President Trump and beat the drum of freedom, not only for West Virginia, but for every single God-fearing conservative across this country. And that's exactly what I intend to do. Well, you know, it looks like we're going to be for surely adding a senator to the upper chamber, and then you, you have your race out here now. So I think the most important thing for our listenership today, we're obviously going to be having you in here throughout the course of the election cycle next year, heading into next November. But getting to know you for the first time, we want to know how can we help you? How can we get involved? Where can we find the best ways to donate and stuff like that? One of the things we've educated our listenership on the show over the last couple of years 
it doesn't matter if you live in West Virginia. You can make those small dollar donations from anywhere over the country and really help the people who are looking to represent America first up on Capitol Hill in ways that they would not have the opportunity to just a few cycles ago. And it's been leading to such great success for a lot of the candidates who made it over the finish line last year, people like Corey Mills and Eli Crane, to name a few. And then all the guys that are looking to you know get up on Capitol Hill in 2025 and start making things happen like yourself. So why don't you tell us uh, how we could get involved with your campaign and everywhere that we could find you. Well, first of all, I'm endorsed by General Flynn, Mike Lindell, Veterans for Trump. Uh, so I'm very, very, very honored with that, obviously. Um, and so in terms of helping our campaign, I tell everyone, this is not just my campaign. This is a campaign for the American people. If you're frustrated, it doesn't matter where you live, to your point. If you're frustrated with the system right now, you're, you're fr frustrated with the, the globalist uniparty, you want to send a message to the deep state. You talk about sending a message. Let's elect a, a former January 6th political prisoner who's going to go kick in the front door and expose corruption in D.C. That would send a message. We've had over 4,000 American patriots across this country who have contributed our campaign. We're raising good money. Uh, we're not backed by Big Pharma or the military-industrial complex. We're backed uh, by the, the backbone of this country, blue-collar, everyday Americans. You can go to our website, evansfordwv.com. Head over there on the homepage. There's a button that you can click to donate. Uh, five, ten dollars goes a long ways. It doesn't matter how much it is. We'd appreciate it. Uh, if you want, you can click join our team, and uh, you know you can phone bank or text or anything like that from anywhere in the country. We have volunteers from all over the country. So honored and humbled by that, and and so just click join our team. And then last but not least, if you don't want to do any of those things, add us to your prayer list. This is spiritual warfare. This is good versus evil. We need all the prayers we can get. So head on over to evansfordwv.com and uh, help us out any way that you can. No, we'll be looking to do that. And we're obviously going to have everything live linked in our show description today, as well as your handles on social media. And as I said before, we'll be having you back a bunch between now and next election day and, and wishing you the best and continued success and health out there on the campaign trail. This is the man who's looking to represent Virginia One, fighting for all of America first. Mr. Derek Evans, thanks for coming on the show. Have a Merry Christmas. Hey, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas to you guys as well. Two more episodes in the books, Noah. What do you think? Dose. That's all I got. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 300 other editions of the show, you best be following us on every downloadable podcasting platform. That's Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Find Steak for Breakfast. Hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. Then on social media, pretty simple. Type in Steak for Breakfast. Follow the accounts and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our guests for coming down and sharing with us today. Indiana Congresswoman Victoria Sparks, New York Young Republican Club President Gavin Wax, GOP strategist Alex DeGrasse, retired Air Force Colonel Rob Manis, and West Virginia congressional candidate Derek Evans. You guys all helped make steak great again. Guys, we're heading into Christmas time. But don't you fret. We're not taking any days off. And we'll be back on Tuesday with two more all-new editions of the show scheduled to appear. Columnist Kenny Cody. New York Young Republican Club member Paul Gracia, Podcast host and great friend of the show Sean Parnell. And maybe even a little Congressman Corey Mills. Nice. So on behalf of the pod team... Thanks for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas and take care. Hey! If any of you are looking for any last minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. 
I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol?